0: Welcome to Bovine Banter with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. My name is Ginger Fenton, and I'm a dairy educator based in Mercer County, Pennsylvania. Today I'll be talking with Dr. Rick Waters with Cornell University about his experience using data generated by automated milking systems for managing milk quality and animal health. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your role with Cornell University Extension?
1: Yes, thank you uh, for inviting me, Ginger. So, my name is Rick Waters. I work at Quality Milk Production Services, which is part of the Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine, um, as well as part of the State Animal Health Diagnostic Center. Um, In my role as the director of the Quality Milk Western Laboratory, I oversee a milk quality laboratory where we provide bacteriological analysis of both milk and environmental samples. Uh, We work very closely with dairy producers, veterinarians, milk processors, uh, milking equipment and manufacturers on milk quality, pathogen-based treatment, as well as mastitis risk assessments. And then I also have an ongoing research program in the area of automated milking systems uh, with a focus on machine learning and computer modeling to identify cows at risk, not only for clinical mastitis, but also for subclinical mastitis.
0: I am looking forward to the information that you have to share with us today. Good, good. Can you tell us some key metrics for producers to track when they're accessing data generated by automated milking systems?
1: Yes, yeah, so anytime we start talking about data with AMS systems, there's just, there's just so much data that we can be overloaded. And I really like to put it into to two buckets. Uh, there's two types of data. The first is cow-based data, uh, which would include things like milk production, Maybe things like box time, visits, things like that. And then the second type of data is related to the function of the AMS itself, the machine, the mechanics, uh, where you'll get alerts related to replacement of wear items, things like that. And I think the data, when we look at these two, are very, very intertwined. There's analysis that involves the interpretation of cow and equipment to determine which is really the issue. So, for example, If we look at an incomplete milking is that because of the cow or because of the ams and the answer is potentially both so it's really important that we're able to not only analyze the data but go make observations to see if it's actually an issue with the cow maybe having mastitis or is there a malfunction in the mechanism that attaches the teacup which would be more a machine issue so i think when i look at these key metrics it's first putting them into two boats It's very important that we monitor, you know, the function of the AMS. Um, The machine side, I think, is super important because, remember, we have one milking unit for every 55 to 60 cows. So this means the risk of the AMS being a potential vector, not only for the spread of disease, but for things like efficiency or inefficiency is really great. So we really got to keep that in mind. There are a lot of checks and balances. Um, to help reduce that risk. But when we look at it, you know, I think we gotta keep the cow and the machine in mind. Going to the root of the question, the key metrics, things that I like to look at are the pounds of milk harvested per box per day. I think that's really driven by individual cow milk production. Another efficiency I like to look at is pounds of milk harvested per minute of box time. And then those really get into the efficiency side Incomplete milkings I think is one that you have to look at. Uh, I think every cow that has an incomplete milking needs to be brought to the box. You need to observe it and see, is it the cow or the machine? Um, And then obviously every manufacturer has some sort of mastitis alert. And I think we need to pay attention to those. um, And then we dig deeper from there.
0: Great tips. What are some of the advantages of monitoring these data in terms of managing animal health and milk quality?
1: Uh, I think the major advantage that I see with an AMS system, you know, from an animal health and more importantly, a milk quality standpoint is that you have repeated measures at the level of the individual quarter. So the cow becomes her own control. We're looking for changes, deviations at the quarter level to say, hey, you know, something's going on at the quarter level. We can see these changes quickly um, by looking at the data, and then we have some sort of of intervention that takes place. Um, But I really think that's the key is this quarter level where we're measuring the cow against herself.
0: How do management decisions differ with robot herds versus conventional herds?
1: Uh, I think that the major difference when we talk about AMS versus conventional here is that They follow a different decision tree or a decision process. The level of intervention, though, is the same, right? Because mastitis is mastitis, however we look at it. But when we're milking in a parlor, one can visually observe abnormal milk, or we can see a swollen quarter or a hard quarter or a hot quarter. Well, how do we look at abnormal milk or inflammation in an AMS? That's where we have to look at um, things like color, milk color or conductivity, or we may have somatic cell count indicators. And that is where it starts. And then we have to just keep digging deeper. Some people like to just use mastitis alerts. Other people will look at, you know, conductivity, color, and then they'll go look at the individual cow card for the cow and start digging deeper. So the key to the data interpretation related to milk quality is that we have to first identify the cow at risk from the computer, And then we go do the same level of investigation that we would in the parlor, maybe looking at the milk, collecting the milk sample, looking for a swelling quarter, things like that.
0: Do you use other tools such as programs, apps, spreadsheets in conjunction with the data to help make management decisions? And if so, what have you found works for you?
1: Yeah, I can't say that I use a specific like tool, like a spreadsheet, but I think the the decision trees that are more or less caught, I think is really interesting how each producer has their own methodology and how, how they identify a cow that's at risk. So it might be, you know, first we look at a mastitis alert, then it's conductivity. Then I go look at the individual cow card, things like that. There is no though one size fits all, be it for this decision tree, a spreadsheet, anything like that, you know. I think what's really important is that they pick criteria that's important to them and that they can understand to help build the process and then they can redefine it from there. So after we identify a cow that could be at risk for clinical or subclinical mastitis, you know, then one has to keep digging deeper to see if we can find some sort of trend that's going on at the level of the quarter. And then as we said earlier, ultimately some sort of intervention will take place. It could be collecting a milk sample for aerobic culture, something along those lines.
0: Sure. And that makes sense to me too. The people that are tracking that are probably also more interested in developing their own spreadsheets and own decision trees, as you mentioned. So yep. have you observed any challenges with producers that they may have when they manage a robot herd?
1: I think the major challenge that I see is just being able to find a method that works for them to identify cows at risk. We have so much data. And if we look at things like modeling and sensitivity and specificity, the one thing that dairy farmers don't want is they don't want a list with 15 cows on it and they only need to manage three of those cows. On the other side, they don't want a list with four cows on it and there should be eight. So it's trying to find that you know that fine line to where we get the right cows on the list that need, they're, you know, that are at need attention. Um, and I think that's been a real challenge. Um, if we look at like real highly sensitive models where we can find all kinds of animals that are potentially at risk, our lists get really big. Um, so I think when it comes to animal health and modeling, we look more at a high specificity so that we make sure that the only animals that are on the list have a potential to have a disease and I think that's the real challenge and when I take that back to the farmer level it's the same thing of can we find a list of cows that uh, it may be five or six of them but in the end if we really find out that three or four of them need attention I think that's a win for the producer we found them there was one or two extra cows not 10. My suggestion here is that dairy producers start with a data point that's of interest to them to learn the software. And I think that's key. You have to learn how many days go into an average or how many milkings, things like that. So you're comparing it against these averages. So I say pick a value that's important to you. It might be daily milk yield. It could be conductivity, something. Learn how the software monitors that parameter, how it changes over time. And then once you understand when the software updates, the time intervals between updating variables, you know the number of days or milkings, then one can focus on new data points to really redefine their their list, you know their at risk counts. I think that's key because it, it it's so overwhelming the amount of data.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in summing up, do you have any takeaway messages for our listeners?
1: I think when it comes to the data analysis of of automated milking system, We have to remember that because we're getting all this data, we can't prevent clinical mastitis or subclinical mastitis. It's still gonna occur. But if it's analyzed properly, I think we can have early intervention. Early intervention doesn't mean increased treatment. It just means we are intervening earlier and it's in a way we can reduce, potentially we could reduce the severity of disease. So in a way I kind of think of it along the lines of a vaccine, because if we're measuring the cow quarter against, you know, herself, if we can intervene earlier when it's subclinical, maybe it doesn't become a full blown quarter. I think monitoring data that's important to the goals of the operation is key, because if the dairy producer or the herd person doesn't buy into the values that they're tracking, it's, it's not going to work. So pick goal, you know, pick variables that are important to the goals monitoring the data um, at least twice a day, but at the same time is key. If you start monitoring it at unequal intervals, you're going to find out that the changes aren't what you expected. And then you may be spending more time working cattle. And then the last thing I'll say is don't get caught up analyzing variables that may not have a lot of value to the overall performance of the dairy operation. One of them that I hear about a lot is, box the number of visits you know we got to get a cow there 2.7 2.8 times it doesn't matter if you have multiple boxes your focus should really be on shipping milk so pounds of milk you don't get paid for visits Um, so really focus on the amount of milk that's harvested I still think that goes back to the individual cow level so those would be the ones you know pick Ones that are important to you, monitor at the same time each day, but make sure they have value monetarily or economically to your operation.
0: Well, thank you very much, Dr. Waters, for sharing your perspective and your experience with our listeners. We really appreciate your time. And please continue to follow Bovine Banter as we highlight current research and provide practical information for and from dairy producers. If you have any questions about today's episode, please email me at gdc3 at psu.edu.